The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. guys and welcome to the stardom cast your now weekly audio source for all things world wondering stardom right here on the pod mania podcasting network i'm your host rob Gooden. i'm joined as ever by chris o'brien christopher o'brien how the devil are you i'm always slightly scared when someone calls me christopher because it's like oh what have i done <laughs> shit i only ever get called robert by my mom Ever, and that's when I've done something wrong. I don't think my girlfriend's called me Robert in the entire 10 years we've been getting out. So she's called me Bob, but, you know, that's because it annoys me. <laughs> Bobbit. <laughs> and that as well, weirdly enough. <laughs> um, I, I'm very close to hitting my film goal. Okay, do elaborate. Um, I set my New Year's resolution at the start of the year was to average two I um average two new films a week and by and like under new I counted things I hadn't seen in several years. Okay. Um and so that would be 104 films overall. And I am currently on a hundred and one. And you think you're gonna watch those last three films before December, do you? I mean like I'm going at a fairly good rate. <laughs> yeah, um, I think you'll be fine, mate. To be fair, most of that is actually in the back half of the year because I was like averaging one a week and then uni started kicking my ass and like just nothing, absolutely nothing. And then like the first month after uni in like June or July, whenever it was, time's a fucking illusion nowadays. Um, it was all just spent catching up with stuff I actually cared about. And then I got, we got a really into film, apparently, out of nowhere. <laughs> fair enough. Fair en- and then, of course, you have lockdown, which helps you because you've got more time to watch yeah, films. Literally- Literally, I'm just sort of like, okay, I, I'm going to apply for jobs for a couple of hours. Let's watch something. <laughs> How is lockdown 2.0 that... treating you? Um, uh, I just don't. <laughs> I, I just, the, the whole thing was I was going to get out of uni. There was going to be a decent amount of jobs. I was going to find one and then I can actually like continue my life. But like, no, none of that. None of that. It's great. I, I, I'm having a great time. It's, it's great. <laughs> I am um, on, on the bright side. It's hot chocolate season, so I've been indulging in that quite. A... Of course, you are becoming more and more like an old woman. Like each episode, you are becoming more and more like an old woman. I hope you realise that. What? what do you mean? <laughs> it's hot chocolate season. I've been in, indulging in some lovely hot chocolates. What? It's quite bad because, like, I have to, like, be tactical because my brother doesn't know how to keep his fucking hands to himself sometimes. So I have to buy hot chocolate I know he doesn't like. So I basically only drink white hot chocolate because of it. 
Your brother doesn't like white chocolate. No, he doesn't. He's yeah, he doesn't like white chocolate. To be fair, everyone has weird things they don't like. Yeah, but I'm sure I'm not, not liking white chocolate is one of the signs of the Antichrist. I mean, like, one of my brothers is called Damien. Holy shit, is it him that doesn't like white chocolate? <laughs> no. Oh, <I> imagine. No. <laughs> he, he doesn't like most things. He really likes drinking. Well, it's funny you should say that because apparently my girlfriend got that bored today that she decided just to get trashed. Sunday, we can't do anything, so I'm going to drink gin. The last of which was, I reckon it was probably 75, 25 gin lemonade. You know what, though? That's a fucking mood. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially in this uh, in this corner of our, in this corner like, of the world. I've, I've, I've experimented with so many beers during lockdown. Like, I found some of my new favourites. Go on, then. Top power rank your top three new beers. Um, top three beers probably for the first time in lockdown. Um, okay, so O Peculiar. Really good. Very good, yeah. I couldn't drink a lot of it, though. It's a good starting beer. <laughs> yeah, it's not It's not one you want to be when you're four deep. No. Um, Guinness Milk Stout, actually, is actually really nice. But, like, again, you can't drink a lot of it because it's really, really, really gassy. Basically a and, meal, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, my dad actually told a story about how my granddad used to drink milks out because um, they'd want to get a buzz on, but they wouldn't want to get pissed because their wife would leave them or something. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they drink milk stouts because by the time you couldn't drink enough of it to actually get um, drunk. Mm. And oh, what what the last one be? It will probably be one from Williams Brothers. And I'm going to say iconic. It's really okay. good. It's an American pale ale, and it's really, really nice. I could actually drink a load of them. But to be fair, my go-to is still um, the banana bread beer, which is delicious. Um, and then Nuki Brown because <laughs> memories. Yeah, and <laughs> then like if I'm really sad, whiskey. <laughs> Whiskey is the go-to drink, absolutely. I, I think I recommended yeah. this to you in January, um, but Waggle Dance is a fucking beer and a half. You should absolutely try that. Um, I'm because of lockdown. I'm basically I am basically limited to what's in my local Asda. I refuse to pay co-op prices for a fucking beer because that's fucking disgusting. Basically, <laughs> pub rates. Fuck off. And... Calling out co-op. Yeah, fuck, look, I, it would literally be as cheap cheap if I wanted a nice beer for me to fucking get trashed in one of the pubs, okay? <laughs> fuck the co-op. It would be cheaper to um, brew your own beer than pay co-op prices. Yeah, but then that would take ages, and I'd probably drink it too early and get sick. Um, I've lost my train of thought. What was I talking about? <laughs> I have no idea, mate. I've been struggling to keep up with you the entire podcast. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> for podcasts in general. <laughs> the entire run of 18 episodes. Yeah, I'm going into the future. This is what happens when you make me watch a fucking Tag League. <laughs> well, now that you've mentioned Tag League, um, we are here to talk about the final two days of the Goddesses of Stardom Tag League, so nights eight and nine. Um, just very, very quickly before we delve into those, um, fully aware that Corican New Landscape was on the 14th, but at the time of recording, one match was up on Stardom World, and that didn't go up until about five o'clock British Standard Time, so there's no point as reviewing that. And I know that Sendai Cinderella was obviously um, today as well as we record, but again, 
nothing is on Stardom World, so we can't review those. Um, I just want to run down, for those who haven't seen on our Twitter, the sort of timetable, sort of schedule for what we're going to be recording and when, because apparently Stardom have decided to put all of their fucking shows in the next, like, three weeks. So this is basically what we're going to try and do. So obviously today, November 15th, we're going to do the Stardom Tag League Finals. Um, next Sunday, the 22nd, we're going to do Stardom Sendai Cinderella 2020, as well as Korok New Landscape. Um, Tuesday, December the 2nd, we're going to be doing Stardom Mutsu Tournament from the 28th of November. Um, Sunday, December the 13th, we're going to do the Toyama Tournament from the 6th of December. Um, December 22nd and 23rd, fingers crossed, if it is up, so that is subject to change, we're going to do Stardom Osaka Dream Cinderella 2020. On that day, we will also release our ballot for the Stardom Cast End of Year Awards. Um, and then on Wednesday, December 30th, again, subject to change, uh, it'll be Stardom Year End Climax 2020 and the Stardom Cast End of Year Award results. So that is going to be a mammoth, but I'm sure very, very fun show. So make sure you tune in for that. That sounds like a perfectly lovely way to widow time towards the grave. <laughs> Oh, you're in one of those moods, aren't you? I can tell. <laughs> it's like, oh no, it's a bit Chris. <laughs> Many moods of Chris. <laughs> Let's delve straight into it then, Chris, with night eight, seventh uh, of November from Shinkiba first ring in front of 140 people. So we started with singles action, Hannon defeating Rina at four minutes and 20 seconds with her jumping cross armbar. Uh, just a showcase basically for Rina's new Oedetai get up, heel persona. She's definitely changed her in-ring style. There were little just little nuances you know there wasn't the hannah inspired ring entrance um she was slapping the hands away when uh, hannah went for a handshake the sort of crushing hannah into the corner but there were bits where she was notably nervous about doing it which is absolutely fine she's 14 it's something completely different to her so i'm sure she's going to grow into it and what better way to showcase this new heel persona than to have her lose in four minutes, which didn't make a lot of sense, especially when you could have had someone someone like Hina or Ruaka take the pinfall. Um, didn't make a lot of sense, like I say. But, Chris, Hannon's armbar was incredibly seamless. Very, very impressed. Yeah. Um, to be fair to Rina, she did win a four-way on the match from the third against Azumi, Natsupoi, and Ruaka. So, like, she's not completely dead in the water, She's going up against someone who's like above number three chain, to be fair. Also, yeah, Hannon's getting a lot, a lot better, like significantly. Like her and Sire are one of the better parts of this tournament. So, yeah, no real complaints. Um, the only real thing I have to say about this match is it went 420. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, in line with that, I gave it four stars. Nothing really you need to check out, really, in this match. Yeah, just. D don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> um, match two then, and it was a three-way with Starlight Kid defeating Sayaida and Ruwaka at six minutes and four seconds with the Kichan bomb. Uh, Chris, opinion on this, please. 
I'm happy with a keychain bomb finally got hit. Do you know what? Genuinely, I've written that in my note. <laughs> Starlight Kid finally hits the keychain bomb for the victory, and I've never been happier. <laughs> it's been 34 years. <laughs> it was a case where she went for it, and I was like, someone's going to come from somewhere and boot her. And just no one came, and it was like, oh, this is great, fantastic. <laughs> finally. <laughs> um, it was it was a nothing three-way really but there was there was some notable bits of comedy the chop circle was hilarious where Riwaka would chop Sayurida and Sayurida would chop Starlight and obviously of the three people in the uh, match Sayurida has by far the, the stronger chops and after about four of this sort of circle going round and Sayurida chopping Starlight Starlight lost her temper and tried to make the chop circle go the other way because it was obviously really really hurting <laughs> please beat you know with Bertka <laughs> Which is just, it really, really tickled me. She showed the results of these chops on Twitter. And fucking hell, like, Sayurida apparently has a very, very, very hard chop. Poor Starlight Kid. I what haven't it reminded you... me of... Sorry, go on. Sorry. What it reminded me of is um, there was a match I saw at Progress um, between Walter and Eddie Kingston. Mm-hmm. And Kingston started by just chopping Walter a million times and then Walter chops him back just once and then Kingston went to chop him but then just collapsed <laughs> I love that you've drawn a parallel between Sayurida and Walter I mean like I sometimes scared but like Sayurida's like Walter's a strange Japanese daughter <laughs> Um, I haven't asked you your thoughts on Ruaka obviously she's only been in a handful of matches since we've been doing the podcast and I'm not 100% familiar with her. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about her, you know, in ring. I know she is, I think she's 16, so she's got loads and loads of time to grow. She offers something completely different to, you know, your Hina, your Rina, your Hannon. Um, but I don't know. There's something, I don't know whether it was just a bit slow, this match from her. I don't know. What do you think? I think she's fine. Clearly a bit green, but again, she's 16, so that's to be expected. She mm. kind of just falls into the background of the children for me. Like, most yeah. of the time when I'm taking notes, I don't even take note of what child is. I'm just like, whoever versus the child. I think that's what it is. I think she is the least interesting of all, you know, as you put it, the children. Um, and that's not to say mm. she's bad by any stretch of the imagination. Again, she's 16. I think she just came across in this match a little bit more green than in the previous match that we reviewed of hers. I, again, like I said, I do like how she offers something completely different. I think she could be like that big bruiser when she sort of grows into it and gets a little bit more experience. So that I do look forward to. But this, like the previous match, it gave four stars. Absolutely nothing you need to be checking out from this match, apart from the chop circle, which legitimately made me giggle. Match three, um, it was a six-man tag match with Mina Shirakawa, Mayu Iwatani, and Tam Nakano defeating Hina, Azumi, and Momo Watanabe at 11 minutes and 26 seconds with the implant DDT. Chris, something's not right here. <laughs> and One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> there's, there's little nods to Descent in stars and there's a couple of things that I've picked out now I could be reading far too much into this I do have a habit of that but I don't think I am so Tam Nakano has bought in uh, Mina Shirakawa as part of stardom at least that's what we're led to believe and obviously Tam Nakano is now bringing in 
ZZ, who has now been obviously officially unveiled at Sendai Cinderella, but for the sake of this podcast, I'm not going to say who it is. But it don't it's candy don't, floss. It's not, it's candy, not floss. candy floss. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it's candy floss. I don't know why, but in the back of my head, I was like, he's going to say it's candy floss. <laughs> I wish it was candy floss. <laughs> but from what I can gather, there's been a Twitter message, and from the way Mayu is in this match. It seems that Mayu has had no say in this whatsoever. And there's just little bits of this match that, like, during the pre-match promo, she forgets that she's actually teamed with Mina Shirakawa before. She says this is the first time we've ever done it, and Mina has to remind her that, no, we've, we, we have teamed before. And whilst this might be derpy Mayu, which, you know, is reasonable... I don't think it is. And then skipping ahead to the end of the match, they do a very good job of framing it. So you've got Mina and Tam Nakano on one side and you've got Mayu. When they're celebrating and Daji Moriyama holds her hands up, you've got Mayu on one side and Dream H on the other side. And it just seems like there's a little bit of a rift and there's a brilliant photo on Twitter of just sort of the gap between them. And I think we could be going somewhere with this, Chris. What do you think? That's that's certainly possible. It it is literally hard to know when May is being a dick and when she just doesn't know what's happening around her. Yeah, yes. (laughs) Um, Admittedly, she does forget a mask on the next night and she did forget her shorts uh, in this match because she was wearing Starlight Kids. So it is hard to take her seriously. (laughs) I will grant you this. I'd, like RBA figures in Japanese wrestling right now, but all fucking serious. Many have like made just like fuck, fuck with my shit. Um, yeah, the, I think there could definitely be something like that. Because to be fair, both Shikawa and Tam are getting much better as a team. Yeah, definitely, and that's something um, that we're going like, to put across during this podcast. I imagine because on the night before with the match between Julia and Micah and um, Shikawa and Tam, they were actually working really well, really fluently. Um, Shikawa was actually starting to get her offense to look good. Mm. So, like, if there's a split coming, she's at least getting better fairly fast. Um, but yeah, like, like with all things involving Mayu, it could be possible, or it could just be Mayu being Mayu. <laughs> um, the match itself is much of a muchness. I, I would pay money like good money to watch an Azumi and Mayu program because that would just be incredible. They had flashes of it here and they had flashes of it on um, in Night 9. And just, I would love to see that as like a proper program where they get 20, 23 minutes in the main event sometime. I think that would be absolutely incredible. There's a great moment where um, Azumi flips over the corner pad and drags Mayu with her feet face first into the corner pad and it was just so seamless and so inventive I'm constantly impressed by Azumi and constantly terrified at the fact that she's only 18 and is this fucking talented it it does get a bit scary um, obviously Mina it's all centred around Mina as so many of these matches are at the moment she withstands a significant amount of Queen's Quest pressure I mean like she gets the shit beaten out of her. There's one moment where Azumi's got her in a camel clutch and Momo just kicks the shit out of her. 
just absolutely belts the shit out of this poor girl. Um, she does manage to stand up, hits Hina with the implant DDT for the win. Um, Tam celebrates by touching her boobs, which I can only hope that this stops after Tag League because I, it's... I noticed it a lot more in the la- in the in the three shows I watched going up to this. Exactly, like, I hadn't noticed it before, but it's like getting more and more apparent as time goes on. It's just it's something that I don't need to see. It's they're a good team, they've got good chemistry. We don't need this. Fingers crossed. Like I say, it stops after after Tag League. Um, but yeah, <laughs> what do you want to bet someone on Twitter? It's just gonna go. Oh, you snowflake against Savage. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> Bring it on, brother. But like, but like, I, I know it's the same. The way I, if I'm gonna like frame my problem with it, it's the same way. Where have you have you ever seen Suicide Squad? I swear this is going somewhere. As in the DC film. Yeah. I fail to see how this is gonna go somewhere, but yes, go well, on. Like you know how like Harley Quinn's like ridiculously sexualized the match to the point of being distracting, to the point where even though this film. The film's bad otherwise, but like it makes it even worse because you just sort of like, can you just stop this now? The film is dog shit, yes. It is absolute dog shit. It's kind of like that where I'm just sort of like, I guess this, I guess it's not that big a deal, but also it's really distracting. Can you just stop? Well, it is shit, but it's also really, really easy to watch. What? Suicide Squad? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> it's a good background film. I mean, like, yeah, it's a good film where. If you can put it on and not think, which most people I know who like it just don't know how to think. So, <laughs> so well, yeah, that's why I'm talking to you, Damien. <laughs> so you're comparing Mina Shirakawa to Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn from the Suicide Squad. I mean, not directly, just... No, I, I do agree to a certain extent because at the moment they're putting it over as the only feature that she has is her boobs, mm. which obviously we know isn't the case because you know in the last podcast we said how much she was improving when she was the she also has a back fist <laughs> oh god that back fist it's for, it's for one thing she should draw there was a point in this match where we did like how stars normally do like the triple super kick but instead of that she did the back fist and i'm sort of like <laughs> like you just made what's normally all right just actively worse why did you do that <laughs> you're athletic enough to do a super kick um but yeah, so like I was saying in the last podcast, um, she's become really good at fighting from underneath, being that underdog babyface star. But we both said that something she needed to work on was her offense. And here, I thought her offense looked significantly better. And that goes for 9-9 as well. So we need to stop putting her over as, you know, a good wrestler, not just someone who Tam has a crush on. We, it needs to stop because it, it's just it's it's tacky it's cheesy and it's not what i want to see in my wrestling and from the people that like, i've seen on like, twitter and everything they're pretty much saying the same thing so yeah there's ways to do this like the golden lovers told that line pretty well but i, I don't know i think there's a way to like actually be good about it and i don't think we're doing it very well mm. Like I said, aside from my little conspiracy theory about stars, um, not a lot to see here apart from the exchange between Mayu and Azumi, so I gave it five stars. Nothing offensive. I actually enjoy this match more than you did, I think, and it's mostly just because, like, four of the six competitors are great, and we, then you have, like, a child and a rookie. But, like, for what it is, I thought it was just really... Like, I actively enjoyed this match. It's one, probably the first show uh, match on the show that I actively enjoyed. 
Fair enough. What would you give it? A six. I wouldn't give it that much higher. Oh, fucking hell. I thought you were going to go like full on eight. I thought you were going to like start. No, fine. So I, I, I will raise it to a six. That's absolutely fine. I have no issue about that. Um, so match four, then tag league action again. Oh my god! With Aphrodite defeating Colomy Pop at eight minutes and forty three seconds with the German suplex. Interesting oh. note, Chris. This was their first uh, win. Uh-huh. <laughs> right before we get into like the booking, I need to talk about Gokuhanda for a second because <laughs> the clown now had the motions. She was really sad when she couldn't reach Tall Sire. Like really sad. <laughs> Like you could see it in her eyes. It was so weird. It's she shouldn't be expressed. The clown shouldn't have emotions. And then, like, apparently she carried Rio on her shoulder. That was kind of funny, but like, it's still distracting because it's a fucking clown. Why is this still happening? It's off. Genuinely, I found that spot really, really funny. And the fact that they kept trying different things and then going back. I mean, you're never gonna get especially with death in this current incarnation, you are not going to get a serious match. And I think you've just got to take it for what it is. You know, she's dressed like a clown. You're not going to have a four-star match out of it. I'm not, like, looking for a good match. I'm just looking to not be actively terrified. (laughs) I think that's your issue as opposed to an issue with the match. I've watched too much. I've read too many Batman. Co- like, have you seen, read the Batman? Have you read Death in, um, Death of, of the Family, where um, Joker rips his face off and like wears a mask over his own face? I'm really scared about what Death's gonna do. I don't think. I don't think you've got anything to worry about, mate. I don't think she's gonna go full Joker. <laughs> that's that's what we thought about Bray Wyatt, but then look what happened. He's went full Joker. Something completely different. Um, um, is it, is it really? <laughs> I really enjoyed, you know, again, for a death match that was eight minutes long. Um, I really enjoyed Sai Kamatani in this match because we saw mm-hmm. a different side of her. And I don't know about you, but she's carrying herself a lot differently in a far more mm-hmm. confident way. When her and Utami come down to the ring, she is she's strutting to the ring and no chance <laughs> full on arms going she she's improved so much not just in ring but the way that she she feels like a real real prospect for the future like someone who in 18 months is going to be absolutely amazing absolutely amazing and you know from where she's come from in January to that person that was superimposed onto the Queen's Quest image on Twitter to actually feeling like a cemented part of this stable. She's a champion in stardom. And let's face it, she's doing a really, really good job. She's improving every match she has. I think she's done stellar work. And this match is a perfect example. It's something completely different. And she does well in it. I mean, it's, it's not a great match, for God's sake, but it's okay. There's also like that subtle little storyline going through that Utami's got a weird thing for Riho. You know, she adores her and Sai is like proper jealous. I really quite enjoyed that. Um, and then, yeah. I like that when Utami dragged, put, um, put her off of, of Death shoulders and she's just holding her like a fucking child. <laughs> or like in the bodyguard, just fucking Whitney Houston starts playing in the background. <laughs> um, yeah, aside from this, it's standard fare. Um I do feel far more invested in Sayaka Matani as a champion 
you know, Utami is fantastic. And especially now in size case, especially now that she has a non high flying finisher that she introduced on the previous show. Yes. Yeah, I agree. She's got that power finisher. And that's something that we spoke about with Azumi a couple of episodes ago that to really finish off a move set, she needs something other than an arm bar and effectively a roll up, which Azumi Sushi is. She needs like a good one, a driver or something, something, an impact finisher that she can break out. (laughs) Burning (laughs) hand. Yeah, break out the burning hand. So I gave this five, Chris. What did you give it? I I'm I not I cannot fairly rate Gogohan Deathmatch. Well after like the fairly funny start, it just kind of became your standard deathmatch. Mm-hmm. And I always get I always have this weird thing in my head every time I say talk about death, because when I say deathmatch, I'm like, wait, was there like cheap novel, wasn't it? <laughs> Piranha tanks? No. Um <laughs> Oh shit, but was it to be fair, from a ninety seven project it was a Joshi deathmatch and oh my god. Oh my fucking god. I don't like deathmatches. I don't know why I added it to the watch list. Match five, more tag league action then. Grab the top, defeated Devil Duo at 10 minutes and 45 seconds with an Argentine backbreaker. I spent probably about 30% of the last episode ragging on a weed tie in their pretty directionless booking. But credit where credit is due, over these two shows... I thought their booking was significantly better. And shock of the day, when we don't have these tropes, when we don't have these nonsensical finishes, we have good matches. And this is what this was. I thought this was a really, really good match, Chris. Yeah, this was a fun match. Um, When you say they have more booking, their booking right now seems to be, yeah, we really don't like Momo. (laughs) No, that's B's booking. Yeah. Oh god. Wait. Um. Yeah. But the chains actually started to be used in a non-shit way. It still shouldn't. It's still a bad weapon because you can hear it from a million miles away. Like I don't even need to have the um volume on if I was watching it live. I could just mute it and I could hear it all the way from here. <laughs> but yeah. Um. I think what helps is that Oedetai is personality. Did you see the promo that Shiri and Himika cut at the start of this? What does Shiri call him? Oedetai's pig and Oedetai's green bean or something? Pig and the bean sprout. Be- yeah, which, like, damn, that's what a bitchy-ass promo. That, that's about as bitchy as it comes, really, isn't it? Like, that's yeah, that's like relatively last- harsh. It's like in last year in the five star where Hannah um, on the first day Hannah versus Tam and Hannah was just like today face Tam the can over shitty little trash track panda. panda. <laughs> um, I enjoy. They seem to be especially Saki who potentially gets a little bit of a bad rap from me, and I do want to quantify the fact that I do have no issue with Saki in ring or Tora in ring, and in fact the thing that infuriates me most is I know they're capable of such good in-ring performances which we've seen flashes of in this tag league that match against Momo AZ which was which was fantastic once they got rid of the weapons this match where you've got very distinguished characters you've got Tora who's the brawn and you've got Saki Kashima who is effectively like the chicken shit sneaky little heel and that dynamic they've got with each other really really works but we don't see it enough in this match, it worked really well. And like I say, they're in the ring with Shuri, who I 
repeatedly cannot say enough good things about. And Himika played this really, really well. She she tossed Saki Kashima around so fucking much in this match. I did really feel for Saki. Between this and the match on the next night where she gets dropped on her fucking head, I did really feel for Saki. But as an overall match, this is one of the better Oida Tai matches post Kagetsu and Hazuki because there was no bullshit, there was no shenanigans, it was just an out-and-out match. Yes, they lost, but they can recover from losses. That's what heels do. Heels don't win in the end. That's just that's just storytelling. They're going to eat losses. And unless you're Triple H. Unless you're Triple H, yeah. 2003 Triple H. But here, I enjoyed everything Tora did with Siori, everything that Himika did. I thought she was great in this match. And usually I'd just be going off about how good Donna Del Mondo were, but I want to give praise where praise is due to Awida Tai because I do spend most of my podcasting time shitting on them. So, yeah, fair play. Really good match. Enjoyed it. I gave it seven stars. Um, It was enjoyable. I, But, like, saying you're the best Awida Tai match in this tag league is kind of like saying you're the wettest puddle in a desert. Um, Just, of course you have. There's not many puddles. But it was good. Again, I think I don't think Shuri's had a bad match in this tag league. She's just sort of always brings out the best in people. And again, with Oedetai being mostly personality driven, going up against people like Himika and Shiri really helps because like you have Himika who is basically a seven foot tall brat, and then Shiri who is expressive to the point of being annoying. So <laughs> it did work. And yeah, just it was solid, and I didn't go as high as seven. I went six. I just think it was a solid we tag match. Mm. Speaking of a weed tie, our main event then was another tag league match with Black Widows defeating Crazy Bloom at fifteen minutes and forty five seconds with the Queen's Landing. Uh, Black Widows continuing their unbeaten run up to their fifth match. This was great. This was really, really good. I I think it is, if not joint, I think it is the best showing for Black Widows in this tag league. I don't know if you saw this, Chris. It was being uh, circulated on Twitter. Konami did some sort of spread in a magazine, and the, the magazine's name escapes me at the moment, but she was saying about how her and B are technical wrestlers, so they look to finish their matches, whereas Tora and Saki have to rely on weapons. And I thought that was really interesting to then go into the match on on night nine. I thought that was really interesting. And that does explain, I suppose, why we get so many finishes with Black Widows as opposed to Devil Duo. Yeah. Um, this is probably the best performance so far, I do agree with you. Um, although B Priestley's really starting to get on my fucking tits. I'm going to say now, <laughs> aside from anything outside of the promotion, because I'm, I'm just not going to discuss that. As a heel, she is fantastic, because legitimately, she makes me hate her. And there's a difference between yeah. making me hate something and making me want to just turn it off, which is what I was concerned about with the Weeder Time in the last podcast. B Priestley, with the odd exception, she is a really, really good heel, because I do properly hate her and I can't wait to see her get her ass handed to her and what is the point in her heel? It's exactly that I can't wait to watch Sendai Cinderella and hopefully because I've managed to avoid the spoilers so far 
I really hope Suri beats her ass pillar to post. And surely that is what a good heel does. Yeah, she's a bit, maybe a bit too vocal. And, you know, her promos are starting to get a bit repetitive, especially on her hatred of poor Momo. But as a heel, I don't think we can really ask much more of her. She sort of zigzags that, through that line for me where it's like, oh, that's actually really good heel he, and then piss off, um, just piss off being Dunmere. Like, and it just sort of zigzags between. And I kind of get why she's the loudest because, you know, she's on New Japan TV a fair amount. And um, actually, she get where, like, where she normally zigzags into fuck off territory is when she starts doing Osprey shit. She did shout Osprey when she hit Cheeky Nando's, which that annoyed me. Yeah. I will grant you that annoyed me. Yeah. Like, it just sort of it, it zigzags for me. And it's never, they're never like too far out of the please piss off line. But it's still present. Um, I guess I, I do want to see Shiri hands her ass to her, but to be honest, I just think about every time in the Shiri match, it's like I really hope Shiri really kicks <laughs> this person really. Hard. Um, yeah. Um, t- to be fair, again, because the weather title so personality driven, with the exception of Konami, Konami sort of like the weird silent killer. Um, going up against DDM is perfect, especially Julia, who's actually really turning it around for me she's actually really starting to like express personality which was my biggest problem with her before mm. yeah definitely. so like i'm happy about like mike is sort of and micah we were talking about this earlier today mike is getting really good at selling fatigue like she's really good at rag her, both her and really sheer cower are really good at um rag <laughs> yes they are absolutely i agree and some like i'm legitimately worried about micah sometimes because of it <laughs> And but yeah, this match was great. I loved the um, ankle locks. Uh, it was, was it near the end of the middle. I can't quite remember when it was in the match, but like the ankle locks, where like just oh, she's out now, back in the ankle lock. But great shit between um, Konami and Julia. Just, yeah, yeah, it was in the middle. I I noted that as well. I thought their little their little tease for their Sendai Cinderella match. It it did everything I could have asked for because I really cannot wait for that match now. Yeah, it's gonna be really good. Mm. Just because, well, to be fair, they had a match in Corican, which actually we we disagreed about, didn't we? The Corican one in the tournament for the white belt. Yeah. Um. Did we? I can't remember. What did you say? I thought it was an eight. I think you gave it a seven. It's a weird reversal. Where you, I was more positive. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe I was just angry when I watched it. I don't know. Um. Yeah. I enjoyed yeah, the fact was... that they were cutting off Micah constantly. Mm-hmm. And that it was it was tag team psychology one hundred and one, and we we've spoken about this on podcasts before. You know, just cut off the least experienced person. And Micah, because I know that you've had a real issue with this, she's been trying to act like the powerhouse. She's effectively exuberant with youthful energy, and she eventually tires herself out. And this is where B was fantastic because Micah and B did the majority of the heavy lifting in this match, and you've got Micah trying to outpower B. But because B is more experienced, she's able to slither away out and wait for Micah to make a mistake, which led to one of the coolest reversals and smoothest reversals out of an Enkaratoshi into a DDT, which looked nice. Um, it, oh, it looks so fucking good. And then, again, the entire finishing sequence played on the fact that Micah had made a mistake due to her inexperience and B was able to capitalise. I'm slightly surprised that B broke out the Queen's Landing for Micah, 
but you know it does put her over i suppose yeah um yeah that that's thing because we've been praising stardom use of secondary finishes a lot which means like when momo brings up a peace sunrise when b Priestley brings out the queen's landing it does get them over quite a lot yeah so yeah that like there's nothing but to help Micah, especially since they clearly want to give her a sustained mini push until she's ready for main events. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, so, they're booking like, her really well. So since she's like the obvious four person here, because you don't want B to have a claim to the white belt right now, um, that's probably the best way you could have booked this match. So Yeah, 100% completely agree with you. I gave this an eight. I thought this was a really, really good match. Um, it was approaching an eight for me. Um, I'm not quite sure what stopped it. Do you ever have a thing where like a match ends is like, oh, that was so close to being an eight, but I can't quite tangibly tell you what stopped it. Was it because you were getting annoyed with B Priestley? I mean, yeah, but like I get really annoyed with Johnny Gargano and doesn't actually it really does. It really my... does affect it. Yes, it does. <laughs> Fuck are you talking about? Yes, it does. Um <laughs> I hate him. I hate him so <laughs> for like actual criminals that I hate let's think Johnny Gargano. Um <laughs> Yeah, I can't, it, it might have been the B thing because, like, at the points in this match where she was like, it's like you, Shiri, and Cinderella, she was like just being expressive to the point of being a bit annoying. Yeah, I think there was another night as well where I mentioned that she must have been really, really close to one of the microphones because all mm. I could hear was B Priestley's voice. And it, it hasn't bothered me as much on these two nights as I think it's bothered you. But I, I can see why that would irritate. But again, it's not go away heat. It's like it's just it's heel heat, and I think she's she's doing it well, especially if she loses a Sendai Cinderella, which you know some mm. of you listening to this might already know the results, and you're going you're Yay! laughing at this oh, right now. Boo. Um. Anyway, let's move on then. Let's move on to the finals night nine of Stardom Goddesses of Stardom Tag League from the eighth of November from Edian Arena Osaka two in front of four hundred and twelve fans we start with tag league action with wingori defeating kolami pop at five minutes and 45 seconds with the Bashi. wingori get their first two points and do you know what chris they fucking deserved them sayurida got a pin that never happens <laughs> they have fucking deserved this they have been like low-key one of the most entertaining things about this entire tag league chris they gelled really well, and like it's not even like through like immense work rate. They're just like they're two personalities that complement each other. Yeah, absolutely. So it, that really helps. And then also because it's against Steph and Riho, who you know have beaten Mayu and Julia, it now <laughs> means that Hannon is the best <laughs> wrestler in Um I've actually said this. This isn't as impressive as other Wingori matches, but. When you're working a match with Goku and Death, who, you know, they've got a very specific match style, it, it's not going to be, is it? You know, you had the dosey do spots, you had the spot of them holding their competitor's arms and then fanning out, which, why why didn't Sayurida just let go of Hannon's arm? I mean, that, that, why are they keeping themselves up so they can be stretched? That, that bit really annoys me, and I don't know why. I think I've focused maybe a little bit too much on that. They should just let each other go. It's because we've had. We've had to watch like what five dosi dos <laughs> at this point. You can't help but overanalyze the fucking dosi dos. <laughs> like I have expected them to, you know, like when they made you do it in school, but they made you do like the pirate one. Yes. Like I'm surprised they didn't make you do. They didn't do that at some point. Like we get fucking. They start doing the gay garden. 
I don't know if you did that in school. Did you? No, you probably didn't do Scottish Highland dancing in school. Do you know what? No, in England we don't tend to focus on Scottish Highland dancing. No, so you've never done the gay gardens. I am. I am going to make sure that the next time we see each other and we get fucking hammered, I'm going to make you do Scottish Highland dancing. You're going to teach me, and we're going to put a video on our Twitter of us two <laughs> Highland dancing, and the Twitter who's, community who's going is going to go mental. Who's going to lead? Well, obviously you. I'm such a submissive person. It's obviously going to be you. I'm sorry, neither of us are especially dominating <laughs> person. That's why we have gas. We are such beta males. <laughs> it's like literally of gas. It is the fucking stereotype of a small guy slapping up a big guy. Oh. Anyway, um, Hannon impressed again um, in the very, very brief exchange she had with Riho, but otherwise, this was a fairly standard match. It ruined Colomy Pop's chances of reaching the final. Um, so, you know, there's that positive. Um, but I, I gave it five. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad match. Nothing got botched. But ultimately, you know, you're not looking at, as I've said before, a five-star classic out of Goki and Death, Chris. Yeah. Um, what I would quickly want to say is that Riho has actually been getting sli- silently better. The problem with Riho in Stardom for me is that she would have one match and then not be on the card, and then she'd be in a random yeah. six-man ta- six-woman tag, and then not be on a card, and then she'd be with one um, faction, then she'd be with another faction. There's been no consistency with her about who she's been with, and it's been like a bit of a running joke about each faction trying to get Riho to be a part of their faction, but I don't know. She's basically Stardom's an intern. <laughs> yeah, exactly, but then you can't have the tag team chemistry if you're not with that mm. person, you know, week in, week out, but obviously she's been with Goki and Death, and I think they they have got very, very good chemistry anyway, Um but yeah, she has. I agree with you because she hasn't been in the ring as much because it's been very focused around Goki and Death, the rebirth of Death mm-hmm. Yamasan. Um, I think Rio's taken a bit of a back seat, and the focus hasn't been on her. And I agree, she has been getting better. Yeah. Um, thing is with Rio, I think another thing. Well, she's a freelance because she's been going over all over the place. She had a um, DDT six man. Um, shot a wee, a wee while ago but i think also the problem with her is that she doesn't really work stardom's style like she doesn't hit very hard like at all she has the same offensive problem that i used to have with starlight kid yeah exactly which like starlight to, to her credit has worked on fixing but i think starlight's more works in fixing that because she needs to like fit in with stardom i'm pretty sure if rio was some in a different joshi promotion maybe that wouldn't be as big an issue like, from I understand, like, Tokyo Joshi isn't as strike-heavy. I haven't watched much Tokyo Joshi, so I couldn't tell you for sure. No, I I have I have no idea about Tokyo Joshi, Pro, apart from the fact that everyone seems to be jumping ship to stardom. That's all I know. Yeah, um, I know Yuki Sakasaki, and apparently the um, show from last week was really good, so I might watch that. Oh, that's the thing, I kept almost clicking on it, but I saw it was, it was like four and a half hours long, and I'm like... That's an afternoon. I could do so. I could watch two movies. <laughs> More tag league action than match two, which saw Devil Duo defeat Black Widows at eight minutes and five seconds with the Kishi Kesai, which I can never say. It's safe to say, Chris, I was not looking forward to this match. Not only because it was all Oida tie, but also I've watched enough G1s and all Bullet Club matches to expect 
a shite match. Yeah, like I don't think there's ever actually been like the only good Bullet Club v Bullet Club match I can think of is the Bucks versus um the Bucks versus the Golden Lovers. And maybe one of the Kennedy versus Cody matches. And like that's the problem. Like heel heel dynamics, you really have to sort of skirt a line on that one, which I didn't trust current Oedetai to do. I didn't. But this was fine. This like isn't gonna blow you away or anything, but like there wasn't there wasn't a lot of bollocks. Like just a tiny bit of bollock. Just it just showed a hint of bollock, but like not full bollocks. <laughs> it's a sprinkling of bollocks. A sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a bit shaved off. Um But yeah, this this was decent. I mean what I said before about Konami sort of in my head played into this a little bit about both sides of Oedetai wanting to prove themselves against each other. You know, there was a sort of noting of respect at the start. You know, we're go- we we like each other, don't get me wrong, but we- we're going to try and kill each other. Um, you know, it's, it's always nice to have that dominance in a faction. And it was the same with DDM later on the night. Um, yes, we had interference and a bit of bullshit, but that actually led to an actual finish, meaning it came across as sneaky and not just completely nonsensical. Um, I like the fact that there's a little bit of poetic justice that one half of a weeder tie stops the other making it to the final. Um, And I'm just going to plug Saki again. I thought Saki was brilliant here um, because she did the majority of the heavy lifting. And B Priestley, during a regal plex, I don't know whose fault it was, but that was a horrifying looking bump that Saki took and it looked like she proper Jesus, yeah. proper shook her up as well. But yeah, it was it was a far better match than I thought it was going to. I thought Tora and Konami did some really, really, really good work. Konami's striking was really, really on point in this match. Um but yeah, otherwise, like I said, far, far, far better. I expected, you know, people lying down and then kicking out. You know, basically the typical Suzuki Goon or Bullet Club G1 all all faction match where we just get, and then we have two minutes of bullshit and then it's finished and it's just, um, I've not got time for that. But this, this was decent. It was far better than I thought it was going to be, Chris. Um, yeah, like I saw this and I thought, oh man, I'm gonna hate this. I'm like, I'm gonna waste like 15 minutes of my life. I can never get back. I could have done so many things with those 15 minutes. I could have reached out to someone I lost ages ago and tell them I miss. Anyway, <laughs> but no, I ended up not missing. Um, I ended up going, yeah, that's probably a bad idea. And also, this match was okay. It like nothing again, nothing that's gonna blow your mind. But like, turns out when Tor and Saki have to work a match because you can't hang someone from your stable. Um, so turns out when we actually have to work a match, it's good and it's fun and I enjoyed it. Um, I Not much especially stood out to me apart from it's the one time where the chain wasn't annoying and I actually quite enjoyed, like through Omo complaining about B on this podcast, I do did quite enjoy her post-match promo. <laughs> yeah, where she she explains to everyone in the crowd that no one in a weeder tie sucks because they're all strong, but Momo Watanabe does suck massively. <laughs> it's just sort of like, just to make it clear, we don't suck. You know that Momo, though? Fuck Momo. Poor Momo. I feel so sorry for Momo. Like, it, it literally, <laughs> like... I forget who it was, but there was someone I had like an active disdain for in like the early days of a young lion, where I would like, yeah, these guys aren't bad, but you know who is? 
I completely forget who it's basically what I have right now with um Gargano. So... <laughs> it's like this match wasn't bad, but you know what whose matches are bad? Johnny Gargano. <laughs> what would you give this one then, Chris? Six. I gave it high six, low seven. I, I did enjoy it far more than I thought I was going to. Match three then, Tag League action with Aphrodite getting their second victory in a row, defeating Dream H at 40 minutes and five seconds with the German suplex. Um, Nice little plot point about Mina being jealous of Utami as they debuted at roughly the same time, but Utami won the Tokyo Sports Rookie of the Year that year. Uh, Whilst Utami has physically no idea who Mina Shirakawa was, I find that really, really, really entertaining, Chris. What did you think of this match? Um, I again, Mina Shikawa, like most of the issues we had with her on the last podcast are very suddenly not there. It yeah, like it's abrupt. Like I don't know how that's happened. Cause we like we, we how much time did we spend over the last two podcasts going, Oh, this is what Mina Shikawa needs to like address. Does she listen to this podcast? Because with the exception of a backfist, which she might be keep keeping to despite idiots with podcasts. <laughs> um <laughs> with the exception of that, everything's just sort of tightened like so quickly. I don't understand how that's happened. Like, is, is this the fastest turnaround we've seen on the Sardin cast so far? Because, like, I'm thinking of people we didn't initially like. Julia, it took months. Um, it took months and a really good five-star. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, Saya, it took months. Um, Tora, we're still in sort of that stage where she's somewhat coming around, but not quite. Um, just, it's abrupt. I've n- never had, like, such an abrupt turnaround on someone. I think it is just the fact that they've managed to find, as this tag league's gone on, they've managed to find a sort of dynamic for her. I mean, they they sort of mm-hmm. flip-flop between having Mina as the hot tag and having Mina as the babyface in peril. And she just, she suits so much being the babyface in peril that it, it makes no sense to have her being the hot tag, especially when you've got someone like Tam, who is a really, really good hot tag. But, Aside from that, everything she does has timed up. The DDT has some extra mm-hmm. stank on it. I mean, they did the double team T- uh, DDT, which I know you don't like, but even that well, seemed is, a little was, bit it, more stank it on it. Because my biggest issue with it before was mostly um, it it took too long and it didn't look good, but because they've been now doing it fast, it's sort of taken out my main issue. I think as well, it, it does help when you're in ring with someone who is as good as Utami because that closing stretch between Utami and Mina was absolutely brilliant. And it, you know, it built Mina really, really well because Utami had to throw fucking everything at her. She hit her with an air raid crash she kicked out. She hit her with l- a ludicrous amount of kicks and chops and all sorts until literally Mina was dead on her feet when she got hit with that suplex. And you can actually, it was a brilliant piece of uh, sound editing. You can actually hear Tam shouting, Mina, Mina, kick out, Mina. And you can just see, like, Mina's glassy-eyed. She's gone. And it was really, really good. The bit I wanted to talk to you about, though, Chris, was the knee bar that <laughs> that Tam locked in on Saya. And all I'm going to say is, thank fuck that Saya used to be a dancer because there's absolutely no way I would be able to get my legs that far apart. My legs would drop off. My legs would literally go, yeah. nope, 
had enough of this. She's got her in this knee bar. And then with her other foot, she's pushing the other leg, literally to the point where Sire is doing splits. And it would... It was some Zack Sabre Jr. shit. It was. It looked grotesque. I mean, it looked amazing. It it worked really, really well. But Jesus, it looked horrendous to take. It wasn't... Yeah. <laughs> like, I was just looking up. Like, if my knees even thought that was a possibility, they just, like, walk away. <laughs> I just, I'd just be sitting around the stumps going, please don't hurt my stumps. <laughs> um... Saya took a lot of heat in this. I thought her selling was infinitely better. She wasn't flipping and doing shit like that, despite having her back worked for an entire match. Um, that was where I thought Mina really showed a lot of promise. She was using a few different submissions, which, if she worked a submission-based style, I think she'd be very, very good. She actually managed to get in the uh, surfboard lock, which was brilliant. She, you know, She's managed to do that the last couple of times. But I think there, as opposed to trying to engage someone in strikes, because, you know, you look at Mina and Utami, she's not going to outstrike Utami. You know, she's not going to outstrike mm-hmm. a significant portion of the stardom roster. But submissions, she looked very, very solid. And if she can develop that part of a game, she could be a legitimate threat. Because mm-hmm. I think is. Um... Utami's taken to like having like proper like little like like the start of a 2K19 match, like the little technical exchanges. And like Mina didn't look completely out of place in that. No, absolutely not. She the first couple of matches we both noted how there was three good people in the ring and then Mina, which is harsh, but you know, when you have got a roster where ninety percent of them can go in the way they can go you've got to step up, and I didn't feel like Mina was doing. She was still finding her feet, but like you said, the turnaround's been ludicrous. Yeah, she's turned around really... Again, like, when we see, like, a new... Well, we haven't seen that, like, really since the podcast started because it's low corona, but, um, like, when a new foreigner comes in, um, you you don't base them on how they are when we get there, you base them on how they are when we leave. Mm. And, like, that's how I'm trying to see, like, Mina. She's a new import, and... She she's adapting and she's adapting fast. Like I don't know, because she picked up wrestling two years ago when she was thirty, didn't yeah. she? So like I don't know, I I can barely new learn new skills now and I'm twenty three. <laughs> so Yeah, full props to her. I, I really enjoyed this match and I'll be honest, this show, aside from the opener and you know, we differ on the Are We the Tie match. The last four matches of this show are all great because I gave this an eight. I thought this was really, really good. Yeah, this is a high seven, low eight for me. This is really good yeah. stuff. We follow this with, and I'm just going to blurt it out now, my match of the tournament. Uh, match four, Tag League action. Momo AZ defeating MK Sisters at 11.30 with the Peach Sunrise. This was stellar, Chris question because i i think i asked this at the start of tag league well i forgot what did the mk and mk sisters stand for it'll be mayu and kid won't it okay i'm really disappointed now i thought it stood for mario kart <laughs> the mario kart sisters well it was either mario kart or mortal Kombat, and mario kart's a better game so i mean you would assume that 
it's Mayu and Kid. I mean, this is Mayu Iwatani we're talking about. It could stand for just two completely random words. It could <laughs> mud, mud kippers. You were really struggling. Honestly, that was really bad. Like, my brain just went, think of a word beginning with K. And I was like, come on, brain. And my brain just went, "Mm, no. Maybe it's Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton sisters. (laughs) Which which I really, really like Batman. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I imagine it stands for Mayu and Kid. Um, this This was fucking great, Chris. This is really... Really, good. like it started off a tad slow, which normally would you know spell death in a ten-minute match, but then it really, really, really picked up by the end. Like bombs being thrown, and the bombs being thrown were nukes. Like the some really creative spots, like the um, code red into a beef driver. That might have been the best move reversal I have seen all year. It was so smooth as it, well. That was the thing. Aside from, I mean, it just built and built and built and built. And it was just this furious 11-minute sprint. And like you said, like, it started a bit slow. Like, you've got Mayu who's forgotten a mask because, you know, lol Mayu. You've got Azumi tripping over her own feet at the start. But it just, like I say, it just built to such a crochet. All four of these women had tremendous chemistry in ring, but it was just... Everything they did was a hundred mile an hour, and nobody missed a step. It was great, and like Chris said, that spot where I mean, again, every time Starlight goes for the keychain bomb, you're like, "Well, someone's going to kick her off." And I was like, "Hey, up! Azumi's on the other side of the ring. Oh my god, she's not going to hit it!" And then just <laughs> halfway through, just sitting into that BJ. Oh, it was mwah, chef's kiss. No, normally when. Normally, when you see someone like that, there's like a half second setup, so you can then, so you end up seeing it coming, and it's still like really cool, but like you saw it coming. But this, like, there was no set. It just, I don't know how like you pitch that. It's like, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to very rapidly sit on your neck. Just incredible. And then you've got Starlight Kid working Azumi's leg, bringing in completely new submission moves that I've never seen her do before. This brilliant spot where Starlight Kid is in a sleeper hold. And she's reaching out for the rope. And Momo, in one smooth motion, kicks the outstretched arm into the Peach Sunrise position and hits her with the Peach Sunrise. It was seamless. Beautiful. And this entire match, the only thing that I can find wrong with it is that I wish it had gone longer. Yeah, it's weird. Because when I think of people being able to perfectly pace 10-minute sprints, the person I immediately go to is Tam. Because I think of she's had three of the best stardom matches of the year, two in the five star against Julia and Mayu, and then one against Kagetsu, and they were all like around the ten minute mark. Mm. But then like this is up, then just really really good. Like yeah, I do think it could have used an extra few minutes, especially since the first couple minutes um, was a bit slow, and that's not a, that's not an insubstantial portion of your match. Um, like that's one fifth according to Chris Math. So. <laughs> <laughs> it took a while. I was like, shit. What's two, two takeaway ten? Come um, on, brain. <laughs> quick, say something. He might he might think you don't know maths. Quiz math. Switch. <laughs> um Yeah, but yeah, this was 
when this picked up, it picked up really well. And like in the sense of it starting slow and then getting really fast, it kind of reminded me of it was Segura versus Nakajima in the N1 in that respect. But like this is better. Just really, this is definitely match a tag league for me. And like that's including the next two matches, which were both also pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I gave that nine. Um, yeah, it's a high approaching a line. I think it had like that tiny bit more time because the ending was a tad abrupt. But then again, it was one big finishing sequence, so it could have happened at any yeah. time. But yeah, it's just it, it's on the precipice of a nine for me, but not quite. <laughs> you achieve, we will give you an eight, but you do not achieve a rank of nine. They do. Anyway, uh, <laughs> match five. So the tag league comes to an end with this semi final, uh, semi main event. So currently as it stands this is what needs to happen so julia and micah will go to the finals as red goddess winner with win or a draw so basically if crazy bloom avoid defeat they go through as red block winner if they lose then aphrodite go into the finals which i found bizarre considering they didn't pick up a win until their fourth match but there we are that's that's red block for you um on the other side of it, if Suri and Himika win, they will be tied with Momo AZ on eight points, and they would have to have a tiebreaker match to determine the Blue Goddess block winner. Um, if they lose or go to a draw, Momo AZ win the Blue Block and advance to the finals. I'm so happy you're here to explain this because I was trying to figure it out in my head, but I was figuring it out as, in, as if they were in the same block. I'm like, wait, no, because that's not the case because apparently Stardom... It's, I don't know how they came up with that concept. It's like you look at a really nice cake and think, you know what, I'm going to make that cake, but replace um, the icing with a knife. The issue that I have with it, Chris, is that because of the way they've done it, so one team in blue block has to face all the teams in red block, the way they've done it, we've already seen the Tag League final and we've already seen whatever the you know obviously the winner will go on and face the tag champs which is aphrodite we've already seen that match because whoever wins mm. blue block will have already seen it that that's what i don't understand i don't understand this concept at all i think it's one of those cases of being different for the sake of being different i can't think of any like logical other logical reason for it for them to do it like yeah, that it, it makes no sense like, imagine if they did that in, like, what's another sport that people watch? Um, fo- a football tournament. You're going to make a football-related <laughs> well, parallel. I, 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 I sat next to my granddad while he watched the World Cup. Um, like, and like, imagine if, like, they got put everyone in blocks in the, in, for, like, the point stage of the World Cup. I mean, we're like, well, you're not actually going to face the people in um, your block. You're going to face everyone else. <laughs> It's like the NFL. Basically, what they do is they put you into conferences and then divisions in that conference. And then you play all the people in your division and all the people in your conference, but then you will also play some of the people from the other conference and then it's on a rotation system of every three years you play some other people. It's bizarre. It's just... it's Why? Why? (laughs) You lost me at NFL. (laughs) Um, anyway, moving on to something that we do know, this match was brilliant. Julia and Micah defeating uh, Grab the Top at 40 minutes and 5 seconds with the lateral press. Um, this was another fantastic match. I thought 
the next two matches centered a lot around Micah and in two very different stories in this match with Grab the Top she was determined not to be the one to lose her team the match after being the one that took the pin against Black Widows she was determined to prove herself and she went toe-to-toe with Himika especially who is quite obviously a more dominant competitor she's bigger she's stronger than Micah but Micah didn't back down and that really endeared her to me in some regard I thought the entire middle section between Julia and Suri was fantastic and then just Himika absolutely beating the ever-loving piss out of Micah until the last match until literally the last moment I thought was absolutely great Chris yeah, um, there's a couple of things that really stood out in this match. First of all, the ex- um, the technical exchange at the beginning, I really liked because it wasn't like a wrestling technical exchange. Like they were actually shooting like an, a bit like an actual fight, which I did quite enjoy. And then there was a near fall near the end um, where someone was, uh, uh, where one team got rolled up. And so Micah was going to try and jump in to save it. But when they got rolled up and suddenly Shuri had to like jump around and save it. <laughs> like, I just like the Benny Hill shenanigan going on in the background. Um, but yeah, like DDM in fighting is always fun because they're all such strong, like they're all strong personalities. Like even like Micah, who's a bit, um, who's probably the flattest of the four of, of the five of them, still has a lot of personality to her, just as a bit quieter. Um, I am a bit sad Natsupoy was nowhere near these two shows because I, I actually found some new British showman jokes, but, you know, next week, I guess. Um, but, yeah, which is just really fun because all, per- all the personalities sort of come together to explode is what normally carries these CDM Civil Wars, which we've had a fair few of now that I think about it, like, considering it's only been around for a year. Even though Micah was the rookie of the group, or it still is the rookie of the group, she she was the MVP here. She bumped circles mm. around Himika. She made Himika look fantastic. She made her look really, mm. really good. There was an exchange between Himika and Julia, which was flawless. It, it was so well done and so seamless that if they'd have interjected that into their singles match at Corican, we would have had, you know even more praise for that match because it would have fit in with that. It's just a shame it was sort of in a, not in a throwaway tag, but in a tag where it's not going to get talked about. Um, I mean, Micah, we talked about Micah's power game and here she managed to superplex Himika off the top rope, which is never easy. I mean, Himika is noticeably taller than than Micah Mm -hmm. and she still managed it. And Micah has been beaten the piss out of by the end of this match. That's what I liked about that's what I liked about the Superplex was the narrative on and the escalation of the match when the Superplex actually like had weight to it as opposed to like a lot of Superplexes where it's just like, okay, so this is where people are gonna rest for a little yeah. bit. What did you think of the finish? I was very confused. I thought I, for a second I thought we'd hit a time limit draw. Because <laughs> like old it, friends. it wasn't <laughs> yeah, it's been we've we need by the way we need to pull off another paper on the clock. It's been two podcasts since we had our last time limit draw. <laughs> um, but like I was honestly, that's what I thought it was because but like there didn't seem to be like a clear winner, and everyone just sort of seemed to. It seems a bit botchy to me. Like it seems a bit WCW nineteen ninety seven. 
from what I can see, basically, Micah had Himika in the sleeper hold, which she would then try and apply on Momo in the next match. And she did it at desperation. And then from what Moriyama was saying, he she'd hooked the arm of Himika so that she couldn't kick out, which is why her legs were going. And that was why the pinfall. But the angle, the camera angle, was completely wrong. So you missed because obviously you've got the back of Micah, so you can't see what she's got hold of. And from all the gest- gesticulations from everyone, it looks like she hooked the arm of Himika so she couldn't power out of the pinfall. And I think that was what they were going for. It was sort of a desperation thing, but I don't think the camera angle helped. And not having commentary, of course, doesn't help situations like that. It didn't take away too much for me from the match. It was just a little bit confusing. It like the rest of the match was really good, but like this finish just sort of it didn't ruin it, but it dragged down a fair bit for me because like it literally took me about a minute of looking at um a minute of looking at everyone to figure out who won. <laughs> like I was just sort of like, okay, who looks happy? She was, okay, they must have won. I did give it eight, like, and I know that you won't have done. Um, I want that that finish sort of dragged it down from an eight for me. I gave it like a seven. Okay, I'm feeling on that one. So that does mean that this was how the blocks of the Goddess of Stardom Tag League finished up. So blue block, you had Momo Az on eight points, having won the last four matches. Uh, Black Widows that lost to Devil Duo, unfortunately, knocked them out of the running. They were on seven. Grab the top on six, and then Dream H and Colour Me Pop on four points. Um, Red Block was significantly closer with Crazy Bloom edging out Aphrodite. Crazy Bloom on six, Aphrodite on five. Then followed Devil Duo and MK Sisters on four, and then Wingori bringing up the rear on two points, which means that the 10th Goddess of Stardom Tag League final would be contested between Momo, AZ, and Crazy Bloom, with Momo, AZ, defeating Crazy Bloom at 12 minutes and 10 seconds with the Peach Sunrise. Um, What did you think of the final then, Chris? It was good. Everyone was sort of noticeably um, fatigued, but, like, that makes sense. Um, especially in Julian Micah's case. Again, this is another show of Micah being really good at ragdolling because I was actually pr- fairly concerned about Micah at points. But it wasn't as clean as the other two matches. Like, there was a fairly noticeable superplex botch where I think it was meant to like be a smooth transition, but then they got dropped. And, like, they didn't panic, so it didn't, like, ruin the pace or anything, but, like, it was a fairly noticeable botch. Um, but... The two teams gel well together. They all hit each other hard. Momo and Julia are like almost perfect rivals because they're both such fucking hotheads. Like, <laughs> it's like fucking when Tony Stark and Starlord come across each other. It's like, of course, they're not going to get along. <laughs> but yeah, this match was grand. At this stage, I had binged these shows fairly close together. So I was a bit burned out. But like, this match managed to stand out. It's really good despite. Um, the feeling of burnout coming in so like I think that speaks to the quality of the match quite mm-hmm. a lot 
I liked the storyline. Like in the previous match, we'd got Micah, who was trying to sort of not necessarily keep up with Himika, but sort of trying to prove that she was as powerful as Himika. And then in this match, she is noticeably not in a good way. I mean, she is taking an absolute fucking pasting at the hands of Himika. Her neck and shoulders are already heavily taped and Momo and Azumi are just like sharks around blood in water. They just, they isolate her completely and just completely destroy her. Completely destroy her. They take her apart and because she is so tired and injured, she sells it so brilliantly. She goes for the anchor Toshi but can't do it. She goes for the superplex but can't hit it. But she still got that resolve. It still takes a golden trigger and a peach sunrise for Momo to finally put her away. And that resilience... Because Julia's barely in this match. She's in it for, what, the match goes 12.30, I reckon. She's probably in it for maybe two minutes of this match. It's all Micah. Yeah, she wasn't, she wasn't overly present, was she? She was, she was like Nelson Munster's father. Well, that's because... But... Azu- nice. I. It was very good. <laughs> I do like how, like, you never laugh at my Simpsons references, but you're always like, yes. <laughs> I appreciate Because Momo is here, got a very clear game plan, which was Momo is going to take apart Micah and Azumi just makes sure Julia stops coming in. And that worked mm. really, really well. Azumi, the brief time that she was with Julia was great as well. But yeah, I agree with you that Julia and Momo, they are going to have an absolutely phenomenal feud at some point, and I can't wait. They've been teasing it all year because there was a um, DDM versus um, Queen's Quest match from earlier in the year, and like Momo and Julia just wouldn't stop like attacking each other. Like, and then they had their match in the Cinderella. Like, to be fair, I was going to say we've followed sort of Julia's uh, Julia and Hannah's chemistry in that respect. But that's basically the chemistry Julia has with everyone. Where it's like, I'm really unhappy that you other people exist. <laughs> You mentioned about the offense getting noticeably sloppier and, you know, obviously, especially Donna Del Mondo had just fought back to back and literally didn't have a break. The next match cut in, they were still in ring (laughs) when when Queen's Quest came out. It reminds me of, I just um, finished like the the 97 Champion Carnival finals and it was like that where Misawa and Kabashi went to a 30 minute draw and then Kawada just comes out and destroys Misawa. And you're just like, oh for fuck's sake, just leave me alone. (laughs) Like, I've already won. Why why am I still getting kicked? But I I did really enjoy it. I thought it was a really, really good match. I thought the fact that they had to do so much to put Micra away, put Micra over really, really big. I thought throughout these last two matches, she's worked a lot on her personality, that resilience. And it was something that, you know, we both said she needed to improve a little bit. She needed to improve that character. And she did do in these last two matches. She was devastated when she realized she'd had to take the pin again. Um, Momo Z came over as real, real badasses here, just completely took apart the rookie. And they are your 10th Goddesses of Stardom Tag League winners. I gave it eight stars, Chris. Yeah, I'm approaching an eight as well. I need, I'm making the point to go rewatch it when I haven't watched a few hours of wrestling back to back to back. Yeah. Because it seems like one of those matches that like were really good. Like, you know how like, AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan up the Rumble a couple of years ago was really good, but it followed a mm. Rumble. It's kind of like that for me. But yeah, like it's I'm it's probably an A. Yeah, fair enough. 
So, post-match, a couple of interesting things, Chris. The first, obviously, there is a trophy, and they have got some very, very fancy rings that the winners are given. Um, the one thing I wanted to ask, though, it's not Rossi Ogawa that presents it. It's actually President Harada of Bushi fight. Do you think there's any relevance yeah. to that? I mean, we haven't seen much, if any, Bushi Road presence, or Bushi fight, sorry, presence at all you know so no, why we why here we haven't seen it since like yeah, we haven't seen it since year end climax last year what? like and that's when we just purchased it um i don't know i think maybe just was rossi there i don't i don't think rossi was there so maybe that was it it could be something simple as that i just yeah very very I, maybe what do we have it's more like active bushi road crossover now with new japan and stardom so like maybe it's just that maybe you're just gonna have rossi there for the title matches for tradition's sake and then we're just gonna start bringing in other people to do um tournaments but like literally i think it might just be a case of um rossi because he he's fairly getting on a bit in age isn't he so like maybe we didn't want to risk get taking him out of tokyo to osaka he is 183 so it would make yeah, sense yeah he's rocky gas age <laughs> yeah. so you think it's a culmination of things so do you think do you think that we are seeing the phasing out of Rossi? No, because he was still presenting um, the titles at the title matches. I think it. I think it's mostly um, they want to have Bushi. It's either they just want some more Bushi Road presence because they own the gaff, or they didn't want to risk taking Rossi out of um, Tokyo and sending him to Osaka, given the current you know situation. I'm trying to remember what, what was the last title match we had outside of. It would have been the the what the jungle match, yeah. Was did Rossi present that? Yes, I don't yeah, remember. He oh, he did. Okay, I I don't know. I it's one of those things where time would tell. But I think as it stands, I just assume the most natural reason is because they don't want to risk taking the old man to Osaka. Fair enough. It it seems strange to do this here, but then not have them present Utami with the five-star trophy. Yeah. What do you think about that was incorrect and so it's like a more... It sort of just continues my theory. We, we're not going to know until the next tournament, really. No. Or at least... So, it's possible, but like I think right now shouting, oh, it's a queue against Rossi might be a bit premature. Okay. I just I was just intrigued. It was. It seemed odd that it would be, of all things, the goddess of stardom tag league that we see their presence in. <laughs> Maybe Rocky was like, tag Fuck league, that. Nah, <laughs> someone else can do it. <laughs> like everyone does with New Japan, just no, fuck that. Yeah, but not all Japan, because apparently they're bringing in Masao Tanaka for fucking tag God, <laughs> fuck's sake. <laughs> to be fair, I don't know anything, because Masao Tanaka is one of my, start, one of my wrestlers of the year this year. You, you've said that, I joking. know you've said this. You've said this quite a few times. Because it does, um, he fulfills my very specific niche of I like seeing um, old people beat the shit out of people. <laughs> so. so, question, Chris. If I had to say who is your MVP of this tournament, who is it? And you can give a team or an um, individual. As well, I have I have two separate answers for this. As an actual like team that I enjoyed watching it would be Mayo and Starlight because they're just 
established to be really, really good. And Mayo's on like the run of her career right now, despite current circumstances. And then as breakouts, I think Shikara and Tam and um, Micah, as mentioned, and um, Aphrodite, and as well as um, Saya and Hannon, they've all been massive breakouts. Like I've you've noticed improvement across the board with them. So for like an actual MVP though, it would it would be my own starlight for me. I think you... <laughs> it's difficult to disagree with you. I'd say them maybe grab the top. Yeah. Um I thought they were really good. I've enjoyed all their matches. Um you know Azumi and Momo have put on some absolutely tremendous matches. I thought it was nice that Momo finally managed to get some sort of revenge for, you know, having lost to Crazy Bloom and then taking that really shock loss to Micah in the five star. She finally managed to get a little bit of recompense for that, but I think they've done really well. I think Wingori have been tremendous. You know, yes, they fought the same sort of match every single time or opened every match in the same sort of way, but I thought they were tremendous as well. I I do agree with you, though. I think Mayu and Starlight have put on entertaining matches whenever they've been asked to, whenever they've been given the tap, so it's difficult not to give it to them. Moving on then from Tag League, um, it was announced, obviously, afterwards, um, Aphrodite came out, uh, Momo and Azumi said that we're going to challenge you, there was a big handshake, and that was set for Corican New Landscape, which took place on the 14th of November. Myself and Chris have avoided all the spoilers, I don't know if Chris has, I have, so we're not going to talk about that. I saw who came out for um, against Cyrida, but apart from that, I brilliant. Don't know In anything. that case, Chris, quick prediction: Who do you see winning that match between Aphrodite and uh, Momo? Is he? Honestly, I think Aphrodite. I think the tag belts are a bit below Azumi and Momo. Wow! And also, like, but also the way I look at it, there's been a draw and a Momo Az win. So if we're doing a trilogy here, it's like narratively, I think it's best if Siren and Utami finish in that way. Queen's Quest are also an equal pegging. I said earlier that the way the championship has changed Sire and the confidence it's given to her, it would be such a shame for yeah. her to lose it. I'd I'd like to see her stay with it. So yeah, stay stay with Sire, stay with Sire and uh, Utami. So obviously we had new landscape, but the big show which took place again today, the 15th of November, is the Stardom Sendai Cinderella, which is a big, really big show. It's going to be headlined by Mayu versus Yutami for the World of Stardom title. Chris, presuming that you have avoided all spoilers on this, I just want to get your opinions on who you think is going to win. I'm just going to go through the title matches. Um, so, future of stardom title match is Mike of the Champion versus Saya Ida. Who do you see winning that one? Um, Mike, the future of stardom championship isn't really something with fending off, and it's basically just a trophy to give to someone going, "We want you to like look good for, until we can actually push you." Like that's basically how it's used for Utami. So, I think Mike is more of that figure than Ida. I think this is more just a token defense to make it look like an actual championship. Fair enough. Um, I agree with you. The only thing is now, once Sire Ida's challenged, you've had Sire, you've had Sire, who do you have now to challenge? That's the only <laughs> issue. I just like, you had Sire. And, you had and Sire, Sire and um, other Sire. 
the children. But again, like this, this they're going to be token defense until Micah just relinquishes it. I think they're mostly going to be token defenses, yeah. unless they bring in another mega rookie. Well, they are bringing in, of course, Lady C, um, who is going to face Sayurida at New Landscape. So she's a rookie, so she could potentially challenge. I don't know whether Mina Shirakawa actually classes still as a rookie, so she could challenge. I think we talked about this last time. Um, and then, obviously, we don't know who Double Z is, who, again, will debut at, I believe, the New Landscape show as well. So they might be a rookie as well. I don't know, because I haven't seen who it is yet. Um, high-speed title match. This is easy. Azumi versus Goku and Death. I mean, it's obviously going to be Goku and Death. She's been kept really strong, um, and she's going to win it all. She's going to be like Bobby Lashley in Impact. She's going to take all the belts. She, to be fair though, she is a former high-speed champion. You don't see a beat in Azumi, surely. I mean, she beat Hazuki, and Hazuki um held it for ages. Hang on. Um, yeah, just check. Yeah, she beat Hazuki after um, Hazuki held it for 200 days. So, are you going with Goku and Death? I'm not. No, I'm not going good, for Goku. Good, because you'd have been wrong. <laughs> like, I would have been really wrong going for Goku and Death, but like now, watch it be Goku. <laughs> no, I think we're both going for Azumi there. Um, the SWA Undisputed World Women's Title match with B Priestley, the champion, taking on Stewie. This is a difficult one for me. Um, because obviously you want to keep B strong um, and the way that this title is sort of broken up if you have B drop this title to Suri who is from Japan and therefore cannot defend it against anyone from Japan you are really struggling for competitors who can actually take Suri on if she wins this title there's no one there's, there's literally no one <laughs> Hate is still in Britain, so like, and as is Sashin Moff, she's in Ireland, so who is there? Literally, who is there? I mean, like, are you gonna, you could do a loophole because Julia's part Italian, but like, that's about it. No offense, but the title is below Julia. Yeah, this title is below Julia. Am I right so in thinking that think you I'm can like... go for the belt if you've had under two years' experience? That's future. SWA it's is just, just the nationality. Yeah, so my thinking is just keep it on B because otherwise it's a non-factor. But you've just had Suri sign this contract. Yeah, but like also it's Oeda Tai. You think Oeda Tai bollocks? I mean, like it's an an Oeda Tai match. I'm always going to assume Oeda Tai bollocks. If it wasn't for this rule, it's it's Suri. Suri is going to beat the piss out of B. But... Mm. I mean, I just, part of a nagging part of me just thinks that Suri's going to win this, just because of how strong they have booked Suri recently. I mean, like I wouldn't be surprised for the win, but at that point, the SWA is just going to be token, and I get it was mostly token with Utami, but like a good third belt would be good, especially for these smaller shows. So I think as much as I, as we discussed earlier, I want to see Shiri beat the shit out of Priestley, I think it would be a bit of a booking misstep for this specific title. Mm. Yeah, it's a tough one. That I mean, I mean, booking logic would say B, so let's just go with B. Um, Wonder of Stardom title match, Julia versus Konami. Who have you got? 
Um, Julia, I don't see her dropping it. Yeah, I see her having a fairly lengthy reign with it. I think Konami is mostly just clean up after the fighter. My question to you in that case is you've just done all this with Konami. You've just done all this work at sort of turning her, putting all this stuff into her, to then have her lose in her first big test, is that not going to damage her, do you not think? Yeah, it probably would, but here's how I'd solve it. A best of seven series of Gokanda, <laughs> and the winner of each match picks for stipulation, so we're going to get have like Firefly Funhouse in there, barbed wire exploding death matches, it, it, it will get everyone on the good level. I can feel your there, there is so much contempt. <laughs> it's like, what, what, of all the people I could have picked to co-host, why the fuck did I pick this? <laughs> so many people. Um, I could have got Garth. The, the thing is with this, I, I do think Julia is going to retain because, you know, they wanted to have a lengthy reign with it. The only thing is, if Mayu drops the belt to Utami... Utami needs high-level competitors to challenge her. And I think Julia... They, they want to get this red belt on Julia sooner rather than later, in my opinion. Julia is going to be yeah. red belt champion soon. I don't think... At the moment, there is one person to ever be white and red belt holder simultaneously, and that's Mayu. Are they going to do that with Julia? Do they... You know, they've got... Mo- quite a lot of people on board with Julia now. Do you not think that people will be turned off by the fact that she's now double champion? Triple if she's still artist after New Landscape? Yeah, I think that's the thing with Julia. You need to manage how she pushed because my problem with her at the start, and I think a lot of people's problem where they pushed her a lot very quickly. So I think if you're going to go this double belt route like you think they are, I think you need to wait at least a year. Or... And have Konami beat Julia here. It is Oida tie. I mean, I know they've said that Konami and B are the better technical wrestlers, therefore they don't need to rely on that. Have Konami beat Julia. Have Konami hold the Y belt. Have Julia challenge the winner of this match. Or, you know, going forward, we've still got two big shows left of this year. You need big matches. And Julia, you know, whether people like it or not... You know, I've I've definitely come around to her. I know you have as well. So I'm I'm completely for Julia having that belt. Yeah, I'm not at all against it. I just think they're going to wait on that one. I think they're going to continue this um, her run as a sort of to sort of prove her because, like, again, she has to make up for how people felt about her in the first half of this year. So I think it's going to hold on to that to at least like February, March time before she switches to Red Belt maybe through next year's five star. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I will say as well. She still has plenty of time. I'll... She still has plenty of time. Yeah, because, true. Like, geez, every, every, this is such a young roster, so like everyone has plenty of time to get where they need to yeah, be going. Yeah, fair enough. And I will say, you know, <sighs> Konami. Had... Uh, God, I was so convinced that Konami was going to win this belt, and now I'm not sure. Um. <laughs> oh fuck it no I'll go Julia I think Julia will keep it fuck it um, 
so Julian to win that, what whatever it's going to be a stellar match, then we can both agree on that. It will. I I would be amazed if that doesn't make it onto a match of the year ballot at, uh, for end of year awards. Um, speaking of end of year awards, I'm sure that this will also make it on Mayu versus Utami for the World of Stardom Championship. Chris, this was a hard one for me. I yeah, but we've been debating this for three weeks now. And my thinking is, I right at this moment in time, I support the idea of Utami being able to win the World of Stardom Championship, but I don't quite support her having a reign at this specific moment in time. I don't think we're... Uh, until it's put into practice, then... we don't know, do we? we she, she might be. If she wins the belt, she could be the best champion we've ever seen, the most dominant, the most yeah, but... charismatic champion that we've ever, but we don't know that because the only singles championships my, she's held are the future of stardom championship and the swa yeah but the thing is my problem isn't like utami's capability to hold about i have full confidence in that she if she wins it she'd have a good reign and also like they're more experimental with the red belt like we put it on like tony storm or Priestley, Priestley yeah. on um alpha female back in the day so like they're not against shock um shocks of the world of stardom championship that's part of the reason around like stardom but at the same time is uh, mayu's had a monster reign i feel like there should be more of a storyline climb for someone to beat her do you but then again at that point you would have to spend another half a year setting that up because no one's currently set up to do that and at the same time Mayu's ran through everyone. She's held it for a year. She's held so, it for 377 yeah. days. And she's ran through a lot of She's people. run through basically everyone. Yeah, like I'm trying to th- I'm looking like on this card who hasn't she run through? Julia. Maybe Azumi. Azumi. Um, no, she beat No, she didn't beat Julia. Yeah, Julia. But well, that's thing. Again, you'd have to spend the next few months setting that up while she has a bunch of other filler defenses and then you sort of have the Okada problem from his long reign where basically every match after losing to Naito, you were just waiting for the Omega match. Yeah, because, I mean, if Mayu retains against Utami, you've still got Julia she hasn't faced, you've still got Konami she hasn't faced. Those are two yeah, Konami still has a... really, really big that matches. Could, that... That's the thing, because that could... Konami, he, he said Konami, if Konami loses Julia, if Konami loses Julia, I, I'm not opposed to Konami taking it off me. I'm not opposed to Itami taking it off me, but yeah, I don't know. It's a hard one to call just because stardom can be so, I don't want to say erratic, but yeah. random with their booking sometimes. Like Again, like B Priestley held it for most of last True. year. Bear with me. And she beat like... Oh, sorry. Gatsu, who was like the big final boss of stardom so like this is literally impossible to call so <laughs> i i but like i i still think it would be may thinking about defenses down the line then we've talked about julie we've talked about konami don't forget that tam has still got a call still got a sort of claim to mayu's belt she does, but also I'm trying to. Yeah, actually, if we're talking about Five the star. big stars conspiracy, no, no, oh, I'm yeah. going like the big stars conspiracy. We were talking or about, or as earlier. I like to call it, the Star Wars. <laughs> oh, oh, that is that is so Quite, good. You really went. 
I, I can just hear you grinning at your fucking joke. <laughs> it's like when my dad tells a fucking joke. He was telling a joke about, oh, because of the two-week um, quarantine, um, Santa's pushed Christmas back to January 2nd. And he's been telling my nieces that, and they're just turning to me and going, Chris, can you make him stop? I'm like, I've been trying for 23 years, and I'm fucking <laughs> like... Um, but I can, I can still feel your fucking grin. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, if it's like Star Wars, does that mean every third movie is going to be horribly yeah. disappointing? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and then, like, the, one of the actual best movies in the franchise is going to be woefully underrated because Star Wars fans are fucking babies. Anyway, um, Last Jedi is great. But, um, yeah, so but there's plenty of ways out of it, uh, out of any booking decision made here. Utami would probably be a good champion. I don't think she'd be holding it for terribly long if she won it. Um, I think it would be more a trial run. But then again, when was the last time we had a shot? Um, red belt running the whole time it's happened. I don't think I've actually seen it. I will seen tell one. you now. So, well, well, if you click on it, you're gonna see who wins. <laughs> Good job I didn't click on it then. Um, yeah, because it's just gonna have the current champion oh, at the yeah, top. Of course. Isn't it? Thank God for that. So, don't, so don't I haven't click clicked on, on it. It's fine. We'll, I haven't we'll, clicked on it. We will, we will look into how the world of stardom titles books <laughs> next, next time. time. When we know <laughs> my 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 thing for you is, and this is the final thing on this card. Presuming you're going with Mayu, I'm going with Mayu too. Um, um, I'm going with May. Uh, if we were doing actual predictions, I'd go with Utami just because I need something different. Because we've just agreed a bit with all of them at this point. But since we're not doing predictions, yeah, it's probably going to be May. Do you see? Now, the reason I'm asking this is because it's been announced today that Stardom's 10th anniversary All-Star Cinderella is going to take place March 3rd at Budokan Hall. That's fucking massive. Yeah, fucking... Wherever G1 Climax Finals been held. Like, it's weird, because it's such a step up, because, like, we were expecting it to be Sumo Hall, weren't we? That's what we were going on about, but I guess... I guess with like Corona, assuming Corona's restrictions are still going to be in place, which I think like late at, apparently the earliest we're going to be lifted in Japan is February. Um, that becomes about the size of a sumo hall. So, my question to you: yeah. I mean, Stardom has come so far in this year. I mean, I know obviously with Corona, it's it's hard to, and also like. It not only have they come far, they've been fighting a fucking uphill battle. Like, you look at NDA Climax last year, of um, of the eight women in the main events, four of them are no longer with stardom for, uh, for completely unrelated reasons. Yeah. I mean... So, like, we've been building stars throughout this whole year, which is kind of great, because now, like, we were just talking about it, we have... Like, say we were talking about the IWGP Championship, how many people do we see realistically being able to take around? Like two or three? We we could name probably five people off the top we just of the head. For, yeah, we like literally just like Julia Konami, Shiri, like everyone could feasibly win it. And I think that's one of the great things about that. <laughs> what I was going to say was, do you see, I mean, Stardom have come a long way. Like I say, they've gone from, this year, they started by selling out Corican Hall for the first time, being on Wrestle Kingdom, and then to move on to arenas like Budokan Hall, which is which is mental to think that Stardom have got to that point next year. That That's where they are. Mm-hmm. Presumably, they are confident that they are going to be able to sell the tickets for that venue. Otherwise, they wouldn't have booked it. Mm-hmm. Do you think that is irrelevant of who is on top, or do you think who is on top makes a difference. What I'm asking is here is, if Mayu is still champion, 
it'll sell. That's that's fine. Does Utami currently irrelevant of whether you like her or not? Because I love Utami. She's top three for me. I love Utami as well. Does she have the drawing power to you know? Let's assume, Chris, that by magic these corona restrictions are gone. You know, let's say that you said the earliest that they are looking at being lifted in Japan is February. Let's assume that yeah, that's so happened. Like, do you think with Utami on top, they are going to sell out Budokan Hall? You are going to need a fucking mm-hmm. great match. But we have to understand. I don't think New Japan managed to sell out Budokan. With the G1s. They're clearly confident. They are being so ambitious with that. And it's amazing. I'm so excited. I I literally literally think they booked it because um, if they did Sumo Hall, it wouldn't be that much more than a... We'd be getting a Korokan now. So I think they're booking it because that's what you're going to get with a... um, But with Vitami on top, I'm not sure. I really am not. Like, But at the same time, it's starting one of those places where the brand sort of like for example, how progress in the UK could go anywhere with anyone on top and um, sell out because the progress name is more um, synonymous with quality. But at the same time, we thought that with like New Japan and All Japan and they go through ebb and flow. So I don't know. But like we have to understand, like that's in what January. That's still a couple months away. So that's even March. If... That's the All Star Cinderella. The actual anniversary show is January. That's All Star Cinderella, but it's, I think it's part of the anniversary tour. Okay, so like it's about, about six months to if Utami does win, about six months to build her and to build a feud that will make people want mm-hmm. to go see it. So, see, is Utami? Who would you like, like to see? Momo. Momo would be great. That'd be great. Um, <laughs> import Ajakon. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, that would sell. That would. Um, candy foot. No. Um, uh, you could build a. If she beats me, but they could build. If it's a really build good a match, rematch, could yeah. Build a. Yeah. Um, Takumi Aroa. Will Jungle be back by then? How long has Jungle uh, been? Nine to be months. She, I, think, I think we worked okay. out a couple of podcasts ago that it's basically going to be the five star. She's going to be back. Okay, that's a shame because, like, I'd love seeing a jungle return. But then again, we want to—we're not going to put jungle in the main event of that. Um, if we could somehow like fix a recent <laughs> neck, Mina Shirakawa. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I will say is, yeah. as you've just said, Stardom are in such a good position because you have got so many people you can just give the tap on the shoulder to, and they will go out and put on fucking classic so whoever they have at the top and i was playing devil's advocate with utami but whoever they Mm. have on top it's going to be a stellar match that i have absolutely no doubt about and i'm very 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 excited at the premise i'm really looking forward to like seeing stardom in budokan do you think budokan you think like jumbo versus masawa you think um White versus Abushi, like it's so big. Like, if you watch mostly WWE, um, especially if this was a year ago, you get so sort of numb to big arenas. But like, sadden, like it was a culture shock when you saw them in Yokohama. Yeah, it was. It was absolutely. It was, and like, 
Yeah, because it was the same with like Noah. Because like that, that, I imagine for Noah fans, it, with a current aesthetic, it was a culture shock seeing them in something as big as Sumahar last year. So, it I just look. I'm looking. It's sort of like the same way I felt about Yokohama. I'm looking forward to it to with for that alone because it was amazing how much like the big arena setting lent itself to stardom and when we went to Yokohama like how much bigger something like Shiri or Mayu felt when like since Shiri's a freelancer that absolutely had the danger of feeling like a run-of-the-mill defense just because why would they put it on a freelancer but like the big arena really helped so like literally I'm d- even like even if it's like only half full I'm just looking forward to like that aesthetic like that image the so one of the G1 shows, so it was the block final of G1 29, was at Nippon Budokan, and it was nine thousand eight hundred and twenty-one uh, people. What's the capacity? Um, that is a good question, Chris. Actually, I'll, 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 I'll check that against a odd fan card. Um, Sour versus um, well, final uh, burning in Budokan, drew 17,000 people. Hmm. Um, there we go, Superpower Series, Tag 19, jumped back, drew 14,000. But like also with all J- um, with New Japan, they had much bigger mm. production. Like, all Japan basically d- didn't have an entrance where you just came in through the crowds. Irrelevant of so... what the attendance is, what is glaringly yeah. obvious is this is a huge huge step up for stardom and it is a huge signal of intent by the company and next year Mm. is going to be very 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 exciting yeah i'm really looking forward to like the the sort of sense of and it's in japan in general so many companies are on the rice dragon gate like yeah, Dragon Gate's selling out bigger and bigger shows, Stardom, um, the, the current collaboration, well, we're on the same people between Noah, Tokyo Joshi, and DDT, where, like, they've explicitly said, um, we think we... Because both Noah and DDT individually ran Sumo Hall mm-hmm. the last year, um, in yeah. 2019. So, like, everything's on the rise. The only thing that's really declining right now is all Japan. Yeah. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be in a very, very exciting time. And like I say, I, I can't wait yeah. for that event and it's six months away. Yeah, like the, like the general feeling I have around Japanese wrestling right now is sort of the same general feeling I had. Like, not as exciting because like when it was Brit Rez, it was here. Yeah. But like, it's sort of, that's the feeling I'm getting where like there was like the One King, but now that's sort of starting to suck. So other places are getting, gaining traction. Let's leave it there then, Chris. Um, we'll be back next week, like I said, to look at the Sendai Cinderella show, where you'll find that all our predictions are probably wrong. And we will be looking at the new landscape show as well, where the artists of Stardom Championships and the goddesses of Stardom Championships are on the line. Um, join us next week, same time, same place, 11pm, British Standard Time. Um, you can talk to us on Twitter, it's at the Stardom Cast. Check out the website, www.podmania.co.uk. Please go and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. It really, really does help the podcast out. Share with all your friends. Tell people about us. Like I say, it really helps us out, and we really, really do appreciate it. You can talk to me on Twitter at at RealRobGoodwin. Chris, where can they find you? 
shit, I didn't pick a Twitter account. Um, at Tina, I I don't know. Didn't just follow Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff, mate. Lovely stuff. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys again next well, week, I guys. Twitter- See you later. Right. Right. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.